body. You know, America's all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Behind the Mask. I'm Ryan Dosovich, joined alongside a duo of Jacobs. We got Jacob Stinson to my left, Jacob Phillips to my right. Jacob, uh, whatever Jacob wants to go. How you guys doing? What's going on? Happy uh, happy Tuesday the night we're recording this. Probably coming out on Wednesday, but you know what's going on, guys? I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, fresh off a interesting little series against UMass Lowell last weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... I still don't think we have more questions or answer or we have more answers at this point on this team, but all in all, excited, you know, another, another nice contest this weekend. So we'll see what's up. And I, uh, I like that Jersey you're wearing. I'm assuming that is K R U G written on the back there. Of course, Michigan state legend. I, I would say beautiful looking St. Louis Jersey, but I mean, it's just pretty mid, but hey, nice name on the back though. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a shout out. Uh, my friend, Nico Craig, big blues fan. Uh, so I'm digging the jersey. I'm Thank digging you. the blues. Thank They're you. not my team right now, but uh, I I still dig it. Which uh, which we've got some team talk. You were you were uh questioning what team you wanted to hop on. Do you have a team and NHL team rather? Uh, as of right now, the official pick for Jacob Phillips NHL team of 2022-2023 is. I wonder how this goes out of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> The Carolina Hurricanes. Whoa, he's a Kaniac. Oh goodness gracious! That, that affiliated timing, <laughs> timing now with the uh, with today being the day that they open the Raising Canes. Ooh, what a, what beautiful timing! Yeah, they did open the first Michigan location of Raising Canes in East Lansing today, and that was that was I the buzz around campus. Not, I do not understand that. Um, I know we're going way off topic here, but <laughs> we'll um, reel it back in soon. It's eventually, okay. but uh, no, like the uh, the line for Raising Canes. It's like I was I saw people as I was walking by like park like at least like 10, 15 people camped out at like two in the morning last night. The the first person got there at three forty five a.m. And there were a bunch of people after him at like four o'clock that went there. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. It was it was for I think they were doing 20 person raffle for like free chicken for a year out of the whole line. So like justifiably, there was a long line, but. Was that, were we or any of us sitting in that line? Heck to the no. Well, even then, on the way here, it, keep in mind it's currently eight forty-five on a Tuesday. Um, when I left about like eight o'clock, the line was still like going down the block of for raising canes. Which, personally, at least uh, we have a ton of them back home. There's one that's like a ten-minute drive from my house, um, and I used to go there all the time in high school. It's good. I would never wait in what would easily be an hour plus line for it, but Mm-mm. yeah, I don't know. Michiganders weird, goes weird nuts times. for uh, out of state fast food places open. So reeling it back <laughs> in a little bit, why why the hurricanes? So, uh, you know, I'm from Virginia, should be a Capitals fan according to you know area logic, but from my house, logic, it's actually logic. just as quick, if not quicker, to drive to Raleigh than it is to DC. Uh, shout out to. Uh, Richmond interstate traffic, it's terrible. Um, and the Carolina Hurricanes are the uh, are affiliated with the Norfolk Admirals, which is the closest Boom. Uh, hockey team to my hometown. I like that tie. <laughs> yes. That makes sense. That's that's logical sense behind what team you're picking instead of just, oh, that team looks good, their jersey looked good, they play good. 
You got you got the ties. I like that. I like that. And I feel like it's a little bit more reasonable than jumping on the lightning bandwagon, even though John Cooper is a Norfolk Admirals legend, and I absolutely love what he's doing with the lightning. I just could never bring myself to bandwagon onto a Tampa Bay team. Oh, thank God you did not. Oh, if you went Tampa Bay Lightning, oh my goodness. I don't know which is worse. Oh. What would be the worst team for him to have chosen? Like Maple Leaves? Okay. Chica- oh, Chicago. Chicago oh, well, for, would have been the worst. Well, for me 100. at least, yes. But, well, no, for me too, because Chicago, Detroit, yeah, that's not yeah. good either. I was thinking, especially, well, it kind of hit that double whammy of being both a popular bandwagon pick and also wouldn't go over well in Detroit, Colorado. That that Maple Leaves and Blackhawks. If you pick one of those three, I would have just taken you off the pod. <laughs> I, I will never support a Chicago team. I like that. Or yes. I'm I'm softening up to Detroit. Well, football football is a different story, but uh, you know the Tigers and the the Red Wings are they're all right in my book. But Chicago is off the table. Colorado did not enter the the conversation. The Maple Leafs were in for a hot second, but no longer than that. Glad not. And uh, we'll go ahead and reel it back in here. Sorry for no pod last week. We had a lot of errors here, so uh, we got hopefully got that sorted out. If you're listening to this, we got it sorted out. If not, well, then I'm just talking to an endless void. But uh, sorry about that. And then Joe from last, well, two weeks ago podcast, but last podcast should be joining us regularly, but he's not here. So we'll, we got some pickums we'll talk about, and he'll probably be here, but... But for now, he is not, and uh, we're going to move on with this pod. So the first game, we got to recap. MSU welcomes in UMass Lowell, number 16 ranked at the time. And I, I think one of the most entertaining, well, most entertaining MSU game this year by far. One of the most entertaining MSU games I've seen in the past two years. They beat UMass Lowell 4-3 in, oh, it was just a great game. This, this, it, was, it was fun. It was back and forth. It was it was highs and lows. It was it was a penalty shot, the first penalty shot that I'd ever seen in college hockey in person ever. So that was pretty crazy. So yeah, what do you guys think about the game? Yeah, I really am jealous that you were there to cover that game because <laughs> yeah. I was outside in the cold and wind and rain filming Michigan State women's soccer when they faced Indiana that Thursday. Come to find hey, out, pretty, pretty good game though. But you were stuck it outside. It was, <laughs> and One I was nothing. inside. Beautiful, nice, warm month. Yeah, that soccer game won nothing off a header, but warm mun inside. It's a hockey well, rink. It's warm. it's warmer than the outside <laughs> yes. here in Michigan. Uh, but yeah, uh, come to find out, Michigan State wins four to three against then number sixteen UMass Lowell, now number nineteen, as we can get into later. Yeah, and uh, UMass Lowell they they opened up scoring. They opened up the, something they did all weekend. Actually, they opened up scoring early in every period. They scored. Three minutes into every single period they scored in this game, they scored first period, two minutes, 53 seconds in. They scored start of second period, 49 seconds in. Then they start. They scored the start of the third period, one minute, 14 seconds in. So something we might touch on is how MSU opens up periods because right there, there's three goals to start off three periods. And then in game two, I think there was one goal in the first uh, three minutes of a period. I'll, I'll check that in a bit. But... UMass Lowell, they opened up the scoring. Brian Chambers scored 1-0 UMass Lowell. But then Captain Miroslav Muha with his family from Slovakia. I would try to say the city name, but uh, I think it's Baikta. I don't know how to pronounce it. Sorry, sorry, Muha. But his family all the way from Slovakia came to watch him and came for homecoming weekend at MSU. And he scored two goals that game. And it was just like... it, 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 It seemed like he got a monkey off his back, even though it was only the third 
game of the season, third game of the regular season. But it was it was definitely good for him to get those goals. Not to mention within the uh, within forty seconds of each other too. Oh yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me personally, what I thought was the most like kind of entertaining thing about those about this series as a whole was just how well that Michigan State does in the third period and they've like how they well they've been all year. because um, that's kind of my thing where I think I'm fi- you're figuring out a little bit more of how this team operates and like what their play style is, how they plan to win games. And they have so far have been fantastic in the third period. Oh yeah. Um and in this game, the the only like they the second period has been pretty weak for them the whole year. Uh, like in this game, for example, uh, game one, they scored um, once on the power play. Lowell did, uh, and Michigan State didn't score at all. And it was a pretty like it was a low sh- shooting game after that like after that first period. And after that, it just then. Lowell came within one goal, or I mean, they tied it up, and then in the third period, uh, they got lucky and got the penalty shot, uh, and then Tanner Kelly did his thing, pulled off one of the best backhand moves Ooh. I'd seen in a game in a in a hot minute. Forehand, backhand, last second. Oh, it was it was beautiful. It was it was a little dirty, a little dirt there, <clears throat> but still, like they've been able to close out games. Uh, the issue they've been the, able to. Not close, but they've been able to battle, battle back, back in the third. Though. Yes, but their issue has been mainly uh, they like yeah that second period is kind of what normally they'll fall behind a little bit, uh, and that I think is more like especially true in game two. Uh, but then that third period, they're able to mostly make up for those mistakes, um, and kind of you know yeah battle their way back. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think the key for them going forward is going to be playing a strong whole 60 minutes. Yes. So that way they're not having to dig themselves out of a hole that they created for themselves. Yeah, and and in the first game itself, in the first period, Muha did score those two goals in Phillips. You said that those were, what, 40, 42 seconds apart? 42 seconds. Yeah, 42 seconds apart. That wasn't the only goal in that little time frame. Uh, Christian Krieger also scored a goal. He made a 3-1 in the first and that was uh, three goals within, I forget exactly the amount of time, what, two minutes, 34 seconds, I think. Thir- uh, two minutes, 35. I think that's what I wrote on my recap. Go look at my recap. It's not impact. 89FM. Uh, okay, that's the only plug I'll do. But anyways, three goals within two minutes and 35 seconds. In, and in the first period, not in the third period, which mm-hmm. this team has already kind of proven to be a third period team. We'll see if that carries over for the rest of the season. But three goals. In two minutes, 35 seconds, after being down by one, Muha got two of them. Uh, Krieger got the third. And also, dude, I got to I gotta give props to both of the Krieger twins. Both Cole and Christian last year showed how they kind of, they they worked on their offensive game. It showed. They they were able to skate into the offense with, with confidence, try to weave their way through defenders. They'll get it down low whenever. They'll carry it down low whenever. This year, they're doing it game in and game out, both of them. Both Chris, Cole and Christian Krieger. And actually, that that's what made me pick. I picked Christian Krieger to score the first goal of the season for MSU. They actually, uh, he actually had to set the game out because he got disqualified at the end of last year. <laughs> Whoopsie Daisy, that was a bad pick. But he did score in Game Three, and it was it was a nice. He got it off the rebound on the far side, and instead of panicking and shooting it like many defenders may do if they get a rebound up on the far side circle, he waited. He faked the shot. He delayed. 
saw an open lane and just fired it short side. It was like, it did not seem like a defenseman stepped up into that position and got the goal. So I just want to give a little bit of props to both Cole and Christian Krieger and especially Christian Krieger because he did score that goal and make it 3-1 in the first. Yeah, and that's kind of a concept that I remember specifically in the post-game conferences uh, after the second game against Lowell, uh, Matt Bezgal was talking about this and he was saying that one of the things that Nightingale um, has really been trying to emphasize this year has been basically making offense like a five-man unit or playing offense as a five-man unit was the word he used basically saying trying to get the defenseman involved and basically do being there for more than just like you know holding the puck in the zone while the forwards do the work um and he was saying basically you know a lot of the guys that were here last year aren't weren't quite used to that so i don't know i think it goes to show especially um just you know like that, that night and day difference um, with how guys like Christian Krieger have been able to move that puck and just how comfortable they look out there in that role of kind of being a little bit more of like a quarterback uh, and kind of orchestrating that offense a little bit and even at some point scoring goals. And I think uh, one thing that I, I stood by this after the the Bowling Green series, I think low-key this, uh, this defenseman lineup for Michigan State is – I think it's slept on. I think it's it's good enough to be one of the best in the Big Ten, and I know it's. I feel like that's a hot take. I'll I'll stand behind that maybe hot take. Do you think that's hot take, Stenson? I wouldn't I go know. for like best medium in the Big warm Ten. take. I, maybe I would say it's a bit hot, uh, a bit spicy. But um, I would I wouldn't say it's like best in the Big Ten or anything like that. But it definitely I don't think gets the credit that it does deserve. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I would actually rank it because I have to do a little bit more of a deep dive into, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, what, like, I, I would say it's better than, like, it's obviously better than, like, the Penn States and Wisconsin's of the world. But um, st- I still think, like, yeah, it's not going to be on the same level as, like, Minnesota or something. So I don't know. But as a whole, it's a good, um, it, it, it definitely is underrated. Um, it's kind of like they said, there, there are, like, legitimate scoring threats like for anywhere on the ice i think if i did the math correctly uh they have seven points for an offenseman this year already through the first four, four games. games yeah that's, that's pretty good yeah yeah which nope. is not what you would expect for you know at, at first at least given you know where this team was last year especially yeah the reason why i think this is going to be a low-key slept on defense is because the steps that colin christian krieger took in the offseason i think they're development of the offensive game with their defensive game is just amazing for them. And then on top of that, you got Nashian House playing with Gucciardi most of the time. That's two amazingly talented offensive defensemen, in my opinion, that I think will put up a lot of points. And then you got uh, Powell Connor, who's just good, solid defenseman. You got Matt Bescow, which in game two showed what he could do offensively. And then behind that, we got somebody who we haven't talked about, Victor Hurtig, which... He, I, I don't know what the rule is, but he was not able to play the first four games of the season because of some eligibility with the team he was playing with in Europe. So he's now eligible to play, and he's talked about how he's itching to get on the ice. With the the defenseman lineup that I just said, with both the Kriegers, Gucciardi, Nienhaus, and that Powell Connor and Pascal playing, I mean, it seems like he'll take Connor's spot if he gets in, but I don't even know if he gets in at this point, which is surprising. Like that's the thing too. Good, yeah. You have to. And even Cal Dive is the game he came in, played really good, and he's 
not even going to be cracking the line on most nights. Yeah, I mean, that's how it's been for him for most of his career. But, like, straight up, though, like, yeah, it's crazy. But, like, it's one of those things. He has to take somebody's spot, I would think. Um, unless he, unless it's Hurtig that just, you know, doesn't see the ice. But I don't, I don't necessarily see that happening. I'm going to keep my eyes on the the line charts this weekend for sure. I genuinely don't know who he would take the place of, but yeah, if I had to bet, I would probably say um um Paul Connor. But then again, it's yeah, it's it's tough to see cuz we didn't even mention what Underwood. I don't think we've talked about oh, so far. Oh shoot, I totally glossed over Underwood. Yeah, Underwood's did we starting say- in the roster. <laughs> Whoops, sorry. Sorry Michael. My bad, brother. Yeah, and then who else did we not mention? I think that was it. Yeah. Oh, no, we didn't say Bezgal. Yeah, it's our best goal. Did you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Whatever. <gasps> Not the notification. Shh. Oh, time, 10 minutes time out. Uh, since you can't talk for 10 minutes. Okay, Phillips is good. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, any anything else in uh, in game one there, gentlemen? I, I mean, I got a little bit more to say, I guess. Um, Not particularly. It was, I just thought it was, after that first period, it just got weird. It was like slow. First period was both teams going crazy on offense. They not really much defense, and then period two, they switch to both of them just loading the neutral zone, and they basically couldn't figure out each other. Like they both, they completely flipped the script. First one was like, okay, we'll we'll let each other do anything we want offensively and just contain in the zone. Second period was like, okay, well that didn't really work out for both teams, so we're just gonna make sure you don't get into the zone at all, and we're gonna throw everybody. At that we can at the blue line to make sure you don't. And so, yeah, first period was heavy offense. Second two periods were heavy defense. Um, MSU was up 3-1 after one. And then UMass Lowell in the second period got one back. So it was 3-2. And then they tied it early in the third, 3-3. And then we mentioned the uh, the penalty shot goal. Tanner Kelly with a beautiful move going forehand, backhand, roofing it far side right as the uh, the goalie came out to poke check. So it was... It was a beautiful move, and that went down as a penalty shot game winner. Michigan State won that game for three. It was the first. Well, I remember reading in the stats for the broadcast we had the next night with Ryan and I. Um, I believe it was the first penalty shot goal that Michigan State had scored since 2016. If I'm right on that. Yep, it was the 2015-2016 season. Last time they scored a penalty shot. So uh, yeah, first one I saw alive in college. By definitely in my life. <laughs> But uh, some some others. Th- I th- I find it really interesting that, I mean, based on the fact that both teams went completely defense after the first period of this game, I found it interesting that UMass only had twenty two shots. To MSU's twenty five. Like you, uh, MSU through uh through four games so far, they're shooting thirty six point five shots per game, which is good for sixth in the nation. So the fact that they only they were held to twenty five by a good UMass lower defensive team. But the fact they were held to 25 was like a little bit surprising. They definitely figured themselves out Well, the weird, the weird part when you say 25 shots, they literally hit that same mark in a single period the next day yes. against the same team. Yeah. Which, do this, we want to do a do segue? Yeah, let's go right into the second game. Let's I get, teed that one up perfectly. Yeah, let's get, let's get talking about it. I think Beautiful. first and foremost, this second game was pretty much, you know, especially starting in the second period, almost the opposite of that game one, uh, especially for Michigan State. You know, it starts off slow. Michigan State only gets seven shots off. UM, uh, UMass Lowell gets up by one early in the or gets up by one in the first. Then they score two more in the second. Michigan State not able to answer back until the third, but then they get two, almost bring it back. I mean, what a complete opposite of game one. Yeah, game game two was so 
Michigan State was going for the the home sweep of a ranked team, which I tried to figure out last time. They've swept a ranked team at home. I went back to, I think, the 2018-2019 season, which it may have been in there, but I, I didn't have enough time in the pregame to actually research that. So if hey, if anybody's listening and knows the last time MSU has swept a ranked team at home, please let us know. That would be awesome. But um, they were they were going for the the ranked sweep at home, and it's it's one of those, like, like yeah, like it seems like they could do it, and then all of a sudden they come out in the first and second periods of this game and look completely stalled on offense and go down 3-0 with only... 16 shots through two periods and it's like oh gosh well there goes that home sweep but then it was a completely different story in the third completely different story and uh yeah well let's let's talk let's talk about that yeah Yeah, and i think one of those key moments in that third period is matt Pascal coming out early in that period and scoring a goal to kind of put some life back into that michigan state offense that had kind of as you put it stalled out the thing is too that was an absolutely incredible goal at that but I think one of the things, too, that helped Michigan State a lot was that they stayed out of the box because that was a big issue for them in those first two periods. They could not generate any momentum at all because every time they started a little bit, then they uh, then they take a penalty, whether that was a good penalty or not. Neither, not, not my uh, case to make. But they just kept you know finding themselves in the box on the penalty kill now. And they just wouldn't like. They, there was nothing really that could be do it. Could be done um, at that point because when you're constantly playing on your heels, it's tough to you know get in a little bit into the rhythm of the game. And I think especially because with as many young guys on the team as there are, it, it leads to them getting a little bit frustrated, not quite knowing how to deal with that properly in terms of the game. And so then from there. Yeah, then that's where you fall behind. You go into the third period down three nothing, and then yeah, once you get that goal from Bezgal to you know get them on the board finally, and then you know put put a little bit of life back into the team. You know you get a freshman's first career college goal. Um, Freshman I think defenseman that's, too. Which yeah, is dope. exactly. With just an absolute laser beam of a shot as Ooh. at that. Yes. Uh, I think that's the that's one of those things where yeah that's the kind of spark plug you need. Yeah, and going back to what you said, uh, looking at all the penalties they took in that game, the first two periods, eleven total minutes spent in the box, uh, with those five for the the contact to the head penalty. Which, which hold on, I want to cut you off. That five minute major for contact to the head, I heavily disagree with. I forget who fell onto the ice for uh, for UMass Lowell, but he was falling. And Tanner Kelly was skating toward the puck, and I don't know how Tanner Kelly could have dodged the falling body, but basically Tanner Kelly's hip bone went into the falling head of the UMass Lowell skater, and they reviewed it for three or four minutes, and they they said, you know what? Yep, that's contact to the head. That's purposeful, and yeah, they, they got a five-minute major, which MSU did luckily kill off, but it was like, oh, God, that was it wasn't, wasn't a good-looking penalty there. I don't quite know... If it was, if they ever said anything about it being intentional, um, the ref specifically, because Nightingale did talk about it in that post game press conference. Someone asked about him, asked him about it, and he said basically along the lines of the NCAA is really cracking down this year on head contact, which mm. noble thing to do, but um, basically he said you know as as Tanner's coach, he doesn't quite he didn't quite know what you know could have been actually done in that case, but. Um, 
still like you know it basically it is what it is it's unfortunate but like just yeah. accidental they were protecting players kind of call yeah exactly is what it is right um so it's just one of those things where it's like yeah you kind of get to you know dealt the short end of the stick a little bit not much you could really do not much Tanner Kelly could have done different in that situation. Just, yeah. <laughs> them's the breaks. Yeah, that's one of those penalties. And you see it in football, too, uh, with targeting, where there's a lot of times when you look at the footage and you're like, you know, this isn't intentional. There's nothing that could have been done. The laws of physics don't prevent him from stopping on a dime at that moment. But at the end of the day, it's it's the rules. And so while it's an important call, five-minute major – the only five-minute major of the game, to start off the second period as well. You know, that that's when nothing could be done, and you just had to roll with it. And Michigan State was able to kill it off, as Ryan said. So Yeah, three minutes of that. Michigan State got a power play near the tail end of that major, so it was four-on-four four for two minutes. But the first three minutes of that major they had to kill off, their, their uh, power play defense was amazing. Like, they, I don't know if... UMass well, maybe got one shot off in the three minutes, but the rest of that, it was all uh, MSU just thwarting their forecheck and just sending it right down the ice. So it was it was a definite good kill. And I thought they were going to get a lot of mojo off of it based on the fact that they ended it with four-on-four. Four, but, I mean, hey, they didn't really get much mojo in the second period at all. You know, and I think as much as we're spending time on the, the one contact of the head call, this was a very physical game, and there was a lot of holding calls tripping high sticking it it was an incredibly physical game huge effort from both teams and i don't think i've seen michigan state play at this physical level in a while yeah also there was a uh, very questionable penalty shot that umass low was awarded it's also also there there was actually a ref that was a uh, that was a former ref that was in the press box so that was talking about it like yeah, that's not a call. Like the the ref, the former ref, I should say, literally said that's not a call. I don't know what they were looking at. So that was also a little bit weird. But luckily, those two calls against Michigan State did not award UMass Lowell a goal. Because think of think of if, if Michigan State loses this game three two, which they did. But if the the game winning goal from UMass Lowell came off of that five minute major or, or that penalty shot, you know, like Michigan State fans would have been in arms. It would have been. It would have been. Blowing smoke out of their noses if they lost like that. Yeah, I mean, in, in my opinion, and the game itself was kind of just was a gong show, uh, the whole time, pretty much. Anyways, like the the refs didn't never really wanted to put away their whistles, and it. Yeah, they wanted to keep it not chippy at all, but it was chippy. Like I, I, I think I understand what they were doing of like, yeah, preventing it from getting chippy, but like at the same time, it just it just completely impedes the like the progress of the game, and it just it, it makes it really choppy and like you know. You, no one can really ever get into a flow, and then at the same time, it's like the foul or the penalties they do call. I don't know why I said fouls. Um, uh, it really it they're, they're all very like uh, ticky tack kind of calls. It it was kind of like the uh, you know you know the fouls that uh, uh, you said you the, said the fouls. <laughs> I I'm, I keep saying fouls because I'm thinking about this. Like I always mix Michigan them up, State not is playing defense against James Harden. Basically, uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that, no, that's what that game two was. <laughs> that's how I think about it. Was like like there's not much they can do because you know anything any you know contact that is made at all will result in a whistle. And so like you know 
you, there's not much you can actually do. And the moment something does inevitably happen, look, there you go. There's the whistle. There's a the ref. I don't know. That was that's my little take on it. I don't I don't want to get like too much into a whole oh, it's the ref's fault, whatever kind of thing because it's Definitely it's not. not. No, it's not. Uh, it's just, you know, it was one of those things where I thought it was kind of annoying. And, like, I think it definitely did impede Michigan State as far as building momentum and things like that in that in that game for much of the second period. So we'll move past some uh, questionable ref talk. But period, first, first two periods, like we said, MSU was shut down. They weren't really in an offense, couldn't get going, couldn't get anything, couldn't get any sustained pressure offensively, maybe one shot during an offense's own trip at a time. So MSU... Down 3-0, going into the third. If you think of last year, this actually this series actually looks a lot like last year's series. MSU, if you guys recall, MSU tied 2-2 against UMass Lowell. And then the second game, they actually lost 0-4 against UMass Lowell. That was at UMass Lowell. So it, it was kind of like, oh, God. Okay, so they the first game, they did good. They were able to win it this year. Last year, they tied. And the second game, they're going into the third down 0-3. And it just, it just kind of looked like, okay, well, UMass Lowell is a good team. They're... They're going to close this out. No, that is not what happened at all. MSU, I don't know what was snorted in that locker room. I mean, said in that locker room. I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what was said in that locker room. Um, uh, but it was it was a complete flip of the script. I'll just say the shots right now, and then we'll get to talking about it. MSU had 16 shots going into that third period. and that third period alone, they got 24 shots to UMass Lowell's five. Well, so I was I said earlier, this has been like a theme for the entire week. I did the math on this like not too long ago. I want to make sure I'm right on this. But in the third period this year alone, Michigan State is out shooting its opponents 61 to 22 in the third period. Wow. Yes. Wow. Okay. Including the third period team. Yes. Right. Um, they, and the only time they did get outshot was um, the game one against UMass Lowell where they got outshot seven to six, okay. which yeah. whatever. Yeah. But regardless, this team very much, they have, the, they have that dog in them. They, you know, they fight back a little <laughs> bit um, and they do not go away easy. And that's something that I definitely like and I definitely think is a sign of a well-coached team. Uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, be nice if... You know, when yeah. they, when they are in this, you know, period where they triple the shots of their opponents, um, that maybe they don't have to be fighting from behind for once. Just a thought. Yeah, I'd like to see the third period, like, energy be spread out during the first and second. And yeah. I, I wish I could I wish I wish could tell the difference between... I mean, UMass Lowell went more defensively in the third with the lead, but it wasn't like they completely changed their scheme at all. So I, I want to know how MSU really flipped the script from not getting many shots, not getting anything offensively to the third. Well, actually, actually, some of them was penalties. I, Lowell got called for a lot, a lot more penalties well, um, in the third. What, what's what's the guy? Was it, <laughs> Philip uh, Fortis Svensson? Yeah, got, got called three for like three penalties, penalties in, in the row. same period. So yeah, actually, I take that back. That's what got, got the, MSU started in the third, especially with the Matt Bascal. Yeah, Matt Bascal opened up the third with the power play goal, and that's really what got them going. So. A minute, 51 seconds into the third, Bascal, freshman defenseman, gets his first of the year on the power play. Jacob, you or Stincy, you said absolute, absolute missile from the top of the slot. Beautiful right. looking goal. It's one of those ones where it's like, even then, because he came into that press conference later after Nightingale, um, he said himself, like, 
he I don't think he really thought it was going to go in either. He was kind of just throwing it on net just to throw it on net. Um, but because like I think it was, what Jagger Joshua was like screening in front, taking away the eyes of the goalie, he couldn't really see it as he does so well. And it just he just kind of fires like a prayer on net. It's just an absolute rocket bar down. Oh, off the just, inside corner of the junction, beautiful ring up in Mon Ice Arena. Mm. Yeah, nice goal. Exactly, it was it was beautiful. But uh, that's all. Yeah, I don't even know how to say it. But it was just it was just a perfect play. Yeah. So. That was that was the first goal that got MSU back into it, and then, like we said, uh, Philip Fornesvenson from Lowell got three penalties in a row: one holding the stick, one hooking, one tripping, all within <laughs> all within six minutes and eighteen seconds of each other. How is that even possible? Oh, he got on the ice and committed a penalty twice in a row, right outside the box. I wanted to say he got the natural <laughs> hat trick for uh, for of penalties, but. Uh, that's not true. Tanner Kelly got a holding call in between two and three. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, MSU was absolutely buzzing in the third with with power play time. With not, it didn't matter. They were putting the press onto Lowell, and then they did not get the uh, they didn't get the the second goal till about two minutes twenty seven seconds left. They actually pulled Dylan Saint Cyr, which uh, also we'll, we'll mention this a bit. But Dylan Saint Cyr started both games. We'll talk about that. Uh, they pulled Dylan St. Cyr with two minutes, 45 seconds to go, but they were on the power play. So they had a six on four, which it was a little, little bit like, Ooh, you know, just under three minutes. Do you want to pull the goalie on the power play? Well, screw it. It worked. And, uh, Matt Pascal, once again, shot from the point. I think he was, uh, right on the top of the left side face off dot. Don't call me on that, but he, he shot it. He saw a lane and then Daniel Russell, the second tipped goal of the year where it looks like okay this guy knows how to tip goal tip pucks into the net it was it was the second time he tipped it into the net this year and it made it three two late but then even with goalie pulled even had there wasn't another power play after that never mind they put dylan saints here back after the three two goal they pulled him with like a minute 20 left and then they oh my goodness gracious the last sequence i was i was on the call with jacob and i was absolutely screaming i don't even know what i said for the last 10 seconds but the puck was just so close to being over the line they actually went back and reviewed it at one point saw that it wasn't over the line so yeah it I was had, it was a heck of a finish i had turned my computer off thinking okay final score is in time to go and get ready for post-game press conference and then the refs come over the pa system and say the final play is under review <sighs> and i think oh no i need to get my computer back on because if this final score changes this needs to go in the recap well, no, because remember on the broadcast, Ryan and I sent it to commercial break. Yeah, we we, gonna... we we threw it to commercial break. The game ended, and then right when we threw it to commercial break, there was this guy that came out on the ice that started talking to one of the refs, and I'm like, I don't know who the guy was. He wasn't. He was just dressed up like a normal media guy. wasn't dressed up in ref, but he was he was talking to the head ref, and I'm like, like this is weird. That both the teams haven't left the ice. He's talking, and then they announced that. That they're looking at the play, and, and Jacob and I are talking to our studio host, and we're like, "Bring us back! Bring us back right now! It's not over! It's not over!" And then, right when he brought us back, they actually announced that it was over. So it's it was a little bit of a carousel for a second, but yeah, it was a it was a fun finish. It was, it was, it was. There's just so many points where it was like I was looking at it, and it was just like right there. You just needed that mm-hmm. one guy to just like roof it a little bit because you know everyone's sprawled laying on the ice right there. So like if you could just have like just could do a little bit of elevation on it, it would have been that's. That, that if somebody would have scored that goal, that's the Jagger Joshua special type goal right there. Dirty in front of the net, get your stick on it somehow and just send it to the back. But it didn't happen. Michigan yeah. State falls 
3-2 to UMass Lowell, and they, they get a split, well-deserved split. Anything else on that game, gentlemen? No, I mean, it, it, like I said, it just shows this team has some fight in them. They do not, they do not go away. Yeah, yep. I mean, this is a team that if you're a fan showing up to one of the games, you do not want to leave until that final second ticks down. Um, and wait, some people did leave after the second, though, and the third was oh, the third was a hot one. Honestly, it actually reminds me of I remember my freshman year uh, seeing Michigan State play Notre Dame, and I was with the game, or I was at the game with a friend at the time. And they left thinking this game is over. We're down, or uh, Michigan State's down. Uh, I forget the score. It was probably 3 0. This is long before I was even a sports journalist at the time. Didn't know a thing about hockey, but I said, eh, I'm going to stay because this is one of my first hockey games I'm watching. I'm, I want to see it through. And Michigan State comes through and ends up winning. And I couldn't believe it. I texted my friend. They couldn't believe it. it. It was just one of those insane things. And Michigan State might not have pulled this one off from UMass Lowell, but it, you it was, do not want to leave these games. It was inches away, inches away from crossing that line and tying. I I thought I thought Michigan State had overtime locked up when the when that second goal went in the uh, the Matt Beskow shot tipped in by Daniel Ross and make it three two. But oh, very entertaining though. Yeah, this team is this team's got got that dog in them. They do. They got that dog in them, and they will. They are. Uh, what is the word that uh, after after the exhibition matchup, Nightingale said this team is resilient. That's what he said. He used it like three or four times. He's like, "Yep, this team's resilient. They're never going to give up fighting." And uh, they uh, they showed that in that third period, being down three two or being down three zero, getting it back to three two, but ultimately pulling the loss. So, yeah, great. Honestly, great weekend for Michigan State. We don't know everything about them, but we know that this team is competitive and they're going to fight. But something I want to talk about, something that I did not see at all, something that I predicted the absolute opposite way, Dylan St. Cyr, the grad transfer coming from Quinnipiac, he started all four games so far. Does that, does that surprise any of you guys? I thought we'd see more, at least like a little bit of Pierce Charleston. Yeah. Because like my, my thought was going to be like they would do what a lot of teams in college hockey did, especially last year. It seems like there's kind of a general trend across the board of giving of of going back to the you know have your one guy that you kind of ride with for most of the year in goal, um, but I think now yeah they're getting away from it, or they're getting away from doing what they did a lot in the past of you know trying to go for the one A one B model where you give you, you split starts as much as possible and then maybe you'll give like your number one guy. Or your one A, like you know the the bigger games or something like that, right? I think I feel like I've seen across the board looking at like box scores and things like that. Some teams, a lot of teams, are getting away from that, which I think which I find is interesting. Um, but yeah, I thought we would see like a little bit of Pierce Charleston because he's Pierce Charleston's not a bad goalie at all. Yeah, um, he's. I think he's really talented. But yeah, I'm curious. I'm I'm assuming a lot of it's probably like practice related too, and I think just probably Saint Cyr is looking better in practices. Plus, um, Saint Cyr, I believe, also used to play at NTDP as well. So I think yes. I don't know if he and Nightingale ever play, were like on the same coach, or Nightingale was ever, ever on like his coaching staff, or maybe they just know him from. Around. I'm pretty but, sure, but I'm not not a hundred percent. But at least I think that there's like some kind of prior relationship there. Um, I think you know with Saint Cyr, he's been around the block. He's a veteran. To the to the college hockey game, you know what you're getting from him. He he's been solid everywhere he's went. So, not surprising. He's been solid so far this year too. 
So for me, I am I'm insanely surprised that Saints here started all four games. Obviously, with a whole new coaching staff, you have no idea if the Nightingale and his and his gang like to go with you know the one A one B start one guy one game start another guy the other game. We don't we don't know that at all. So we can assume what we want. And my assumption was they were gonna you know split time between the goalies. But for me, I was I was gonna go majority Charleston. My prediction was a hundred percent majority Charleston. I think. I think his uh, his skill is is very very good, and if you look at his stats, the stats don't show it at all. That's because he played most games of uh, the second game series against Michigan, where the team already got blown out like seven to two, and then he's got to go in and try to stop as much as he can against a Michigan State team that's lost seven in a row that may not give up as big of a fight as they would in game one if you know they didn't get blown out the night before. I think he's got insane talent, and I'm I am extremely surprised he hasn't even gotten a game yet. But on the other side of things, Dylan Saints here. He's proven. This is sixth year. You've seen what he could do. He put up really good numbers at Notre Dame, insane numbers at Quinnipiac, but that was the best defense in the nation last year. And, I mean, hey, Nightingale trusts him, and Saints here has looked very good. So I my opinion was wrong at the beginning of the season. In hindsight, I feel like the writing might have been on the wall a little bit. Because I remember St. Cyr committed to Michigan State, like with within like a day of them like of, of Michigan State officially hiring Nightingale. Ah, like I remember that specifically clues. because the same day that like Nightingale had gotten hired, the original goalie that was committed to Michigan State, Nate McDonald, had decommitted, mm-hmm. and then like the next day uh, they announced St. Cyr's coming. So I. Th- I feel like then probably there was maybe a little bit of a promise of being like the guy at Michigan State you could, and as a reason to leave Quinnipiac of all places. So so do you guys think we'll ever see Charles in this series? I mean, obviously it seems like, yeah, he'll come in eventually, but like... He'll be there eventually. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't like bank on it anytime soon with, yeah, I don't sense you're going to be getting the... Uh, the vast majority of the starts, um, I think, for the rest of the year. I think you can probably bank, bank on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think obviously as the, as the season goes on, I think the chances to see Charleston go, you know, continue to go down. Really, I'm kind of surprised that we didn't see him in Michigan State's series, that, that home and home against Bowling Green. I figured that would have been probably the best time to do, you know, one goalie one game, one goalie the next. Um, but you know, who knows? And last year, that's actually how the previous regime under Denton Cole, that's how they used Charleston a lot. They used him in away games. And there was, there was a couple games where he's playing against the number seventh ranked Minnesota golden Gophers and the, the number two ranked Minnesota or Michigan Wolverines, where they get 42 shots and he lets in two goals, but it's a two, one loss for Michigan state. There were, there were multiple games like that. That's, and that's why I had, ultra confidence in him getting a lot of game time i thought he would be the the a goalie this year and he's clearly not and yeah saints here is taking that home and ran with it and looked good so all props to him and also i want to note i love sticking to one goalie more than the one a one b in nhl and college in any level i think you got your guy you stick with him till it goes haywire so i like that nightingale is doing that i don't know i kind of feel it both ways because in my eyes it also, the one A one B makes more sense in the long terms, um, because that way, at least when you get to the end of the season, you you minimize injury to your um to your one A, 
like as like the NHL does it obviously a lot too, where you, your backup come will get in there every couple games to just you know he'll take the start, take the pressure, the man, load management kind of thing, um, off your goalie. You know, less chance of them getting injured. They can take the second night off. Um, overall, making them more healthy come uh, playoff time. But I don't know. It's I can see it both ways because you know it also you know builds that extra confidence in your number one goalie and as a whole gives your team a better chance to win every night anyways so i I understand both ways yeah i'm i'm more leaning towards ryan with the one goalie for the season because really one of the only other sports i you see rotation in is baseball but that's because you're playing all these games in a row you don't want your pitcher your starting pitcher to pitch six innings for you know five days in a row but for hockey, for college hockey, you're playing two games in a weekend, and then you get a, a good stretch of practice and rest in between. So, you know, I I, I don't think injury is as much of an issue uh, to rest a goalie one game in a weekend. So that that's why I kind of lean more towards one goalie. I would agree, too, with that, yeah. I, that is one thing is, you know, you're not playing, you know, all the time anyways. You have it, – it's, it's kind of like football in that sense, the way the college hockey schedule works. Um, where you just go in every single week, and you'll—it's just instead of one game on a Sunday, you play two, and they're on a Friday, Saturday. So it's kind of the same concept. So moving on, MSU's four games into the season. Uh, this is probably way too early to have this conversation, but I want to entertain this conversation. MSU four games in, they got a split against Bowling Green, home and home. They got a split at home against Lowell. Do we think this team? is legit, or should I say, do we think this team will be making some noise in the Big Ten? It defi- It depends on the amount of noise. I think as of right now, my uh, my preseason prediction for them is holding true. Um, you said fifth out of seventh, right? I said fifth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I Just because the Big Ten is so stacked. Yep. Um, you're in, you're out. Right. Um, but just because the Big Ten is so, it's just so loaded right now. And when in terms of talent, I don't see them finishing any higher than fifth. Um, but this is definitely not the same team that we just saw a year ago. Uh, with, you know, it was like very clearly a, st- a tier or two below the rest of the Big Ten. Um, and those top guys, like they, these are the, this is a team that I think generally can go out and compete like every single night. And we'll be it will be a lot of close games with a lot of teams that they shouldn't probably be in close games with. But nonetheless, I think yeah, this team is definitely going to outlive a lot of people's expectations for them coming into the year. But yeah, like they're not good. when you say make some noise, it depends on how much noise you think they're going to make. And I think a little bit. I think they'll. I personally think they'll finish the season better than. Penn State and Wisconsin. Wisconsin, obviously, at this point, Wisconsin is horrendous to start the year. Penn State is undefeated right now, but they also haven't played anybody. Yeah, and they're still, ranked 18th too, but they're undefeated, so they'll yeah, give them that. Yeah, Penn State's undefeated, but the the teams they've played so far are not very good. So I don't really put any stock into them right now. Um, they got a lot to prove still. Yes, uh, and they don't play a legitimate team, a legitimately good team until November. So we don't. So the jury's still going to be out on Penn State, but for me, I think a lot of the issues are still there from last year, of 
basically meaning a lack of goaltending. Uh, but the, the offense, at least, is they got the offense. They do have the offense, but the people. But but then again, they're firing it on teams that can't defend. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> so I don't know. The jury's still out on Penn State, uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, Minnesota. All very good teams. I think that they will all finish ahead of Michigan State in the Big Ten. Yeah, it'll be hard for Michigan State to jump over any of those guys for sure. So. For me to answer this question of is this team legit or not, obviously I'm kind of jumping the gun just by putting this in. But like I said, it's entertaining. I want to talk about it. I I see a lot of similarities. I, do, I don't want to say this, but it's where my brain is. I see a lot of similarities between this season start and last season start. I'll take you guys back to last year. Uh, first series was against Air Force at home. They split. Then they swept Miami, which... Pretty de- uh, pretty par team, pretty decent middle of the pack. And then they went to Lowell, they tied the first game 2-2, and then they lost 0-4. If you look at this year, Michigan State right now just has two splits. So last year, Michigan State actually got a sweep instead of one of the splits. And they were actually receiving votes after the uh, Lowell series that they got a tie and a loss. And it was like, okay, like this Michigan State team, decent non-conference so far. That was the end of non-conference. Decent non-conference so far. They looked good against UMass Ole, which was a very good team last year. I don't know if they're as good as they were last year this year, but we'll see. But it was it was like, okay, this team this team looks like they can they could do something. And then I don't really want to recap the rest of last season, but it it all went downhill. And there was a big injury with Lewandowski that also hindered that. But I bring that up because I want to compare the two, but I also want to completely throw those two year comparisons away from each other. I think this Michigan State team is a lot better than last year because the way they want to play, which is fast, smart, throw pucks on net in a smart way, in a logical way, and play five-man offense when they're in the offensive zone, I think they're doing this game plan a lot better than they tried to execute their last year's game plan, which is a lot more defensively just uh, – I'm not slow breakouts, but a lot, a lot more defensive minded. We'll just, we'll just encompass it with that. I think they're, they're executing this game plan a lot, a lot better than last year, and that's why, even though this, the years kind of look similar, looking at the first, you know, non-conference couple games, I think these two teams are completely different, and that's why I think confidently this team will make some noise in the Big Ten this year. I'm not saying going over, getting, you know, getting fourth place, third place in the Big Ten. I don't. I don't know about that, but I, I could ease, I could easily see fifth because of this for sure. Hopefully not sixth or seventh. So, where, where I you know draw the comparison, or where, where my like where I think comparing the, both Michigan State team this year and last year is a bad idea. Is, oh, it is a bad idea. Trust me. 100%. Well, I mean, why, why I think the comparison isn't fully you know there is you have to also take a look at those games that Michigan State had played. Um, and you know how did they go about you know their their thing, like how did they win these games early on in the year? It was a combination of good goaltending, and they were getting offense from Lewandowski, and th- their whole offense hinged around Lewandowski. And when Lewandowski went hurt, they didn't have another three goal game until late November. And uh, but. Still, I mean, at that, you also have to look those first six games of the out of conference schedule that Michigan State had. Um, 
the series against Air Force, Miami, and Lowell, they only outshot the other team in one of those games. So I think, and that was the one, the five to one win against Air Force. They outshot them thirty nine to twenty nine. But like every other game, five of those, uh, five of those six games, they were on the losing end of the shot battle. Yeah, that, that's more their player style too. Yeah, that was. Now it's the other way around. Yes, completely. Michigan State is out shooting the other team. This is a team that is, you know, closing out games down the, or at least fighting down the stretch. This is not an offense that hinges around one person. This is a team that does have solid goaltending, but it's not like the team is relying on said goaltending to build them out of games. And it's one of those things where it's like, you look at the way this team plays compared to that of a year ago. You look at where, like, who on the team they were lying to win them games. It's not one particular person. It's a combo of people. And it's that more committee approach that they're getting their offense from, which is leading to things like Michigan State averaging, what, 30, what do we say, 36 shots a game? 36 and a half. Right. It's leading to them, like, they don't have to have, they don't have to worry about the goalie having, like, an absurd, like, 9-4-something save percentage. Um, this year, they're fighting. They're they said they're out. They're tripling the other team in shots, uh, in the last period. Like, it, it's all those little things underneath it. You have to you have to look. It's very easy to make that comparison of just on the surface. Like, yes, Michigan State won a good amount of games early, and you know. But if you did a little bit of de- of de- digging into those numbers and those box scores, you could see the writing was on the wall. That kind of winning was not sustainable. The way that Michigan State is winning games now is, I think, once that team, this very new team, gels a little more and, you know, they kind of get a little more acclimated to play style and stuff like that, then I think that's also going to pull a little bit more consistently, pulling some wins when you get into conference play. Yeah, I like those points. I, I, you like you summarized what I wanted to say a lot better than how I said it. So thank you very much. Yeah, I think in terms of what I see different from this team is, you know, as we've touched on and what Nightingale talked about in post game, or not Nightingale, what Pascal talked about in post game actually uh, is that five man offense, and I think that has been a significant factor in out shooting. It's not, uh, you know, their offense isn't going down and trying to set up some immaculate shot to get a score. They're taking shots on goal. They're shooting. They're trying to keep that pressure on, and they're keeping that pressure from every man on the ice. And I think that is one of the key differences that we're seeing this year, and it's making for a more interesting team to watch. Yeah, D-men are not afraid to step up and get low in the forecheck at all. D-men are not afraid to switch with forwards. Forwards are not afraid to go back and hold the blue line at all, which I don't remember seeing any forwards holding the blue line confidently last year. I'm trying to think. No, nobody really comes to mind. But that's happening a lot this year, which is super cool to see. Well, yeah, even then, too, keep in mind, in that second game against Lowell, like both of those goals were basically kind of the same shot. It just happened to be the, and they're both yeah. basically both. Yeah, they were almost mirror, but one yeah, was they're the both tip. basically the same shots from Matt Pesgall from the top of the circle. It just so happened one got tipped and one didn't. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like you have if you have those jet defensemen that can generate points like that, and like you know fire, keep firing the puck on net, generate offense for you. 
that's going to pay dividends in the long run because that makes your team so much more dangerous to defend because you have to actually play defense on every single guy on the ice. Like you have, you have to cover every square inch of the ice, not just the not just the five feet around Mitchell Lewandowski. So uh, that's that's that series. Michigan State splitting against number sixteenth ranked UMass Lowell. They actually moved back to number nineteen in this week's poll. But uh, we got we got some some hockey to preview and. In this series uh, against Long Island University, when I saw the schedule drop, I looked at it and I'm like, ooh, cool. Michigan State gets a cupcake to face in non-conference. They'll, they'll most likely sweep that. That's cool for them. That's good. But now LIU, four games into the season, I mean, they, they don't look too bad. They uh, lost in overtime against Northeastern, demolished Stonehill. They tied against Quinnipiac and then lost 1-0 to Rensselaer. So, like... This team that it's their third year in NCAA hockey. They're they're still an independent. Love their jerseys, by the way. Go look them up. But like, what what a team that I thought going into the season was going to be a cupcake turns out to be. Oh, is MSU like is this is this even going to be a sweep? Is this going to be a split? Like who who really knows of this team four games in? So uh, we're here to preview it, to break it down. So what you guys got? So you have to look at this, and I don't quite know what uh, like. I know how I said I don't quite still don't know too many things about what to make with Michigan State this year. I know less about Long Island. Oh yeah. Because I look at their schedule, I look at their results from the four games they played so far. Stonehill, I don't really count. Yeah. Uh it's exhibition game it's, that they won seven one. Not that exhibition, but it's it basically like an exhibition game. This is Stonehill's like first year as a D one school, I believe. Um and I'm looking at their schedule. They only have like five games scheduled all year. Um, but it's it's weird. Regardless, I don't really know what to say. Um, I don't I don't put stock in a seven to one win against a first year D one program with five games on their schedule. <laughs> Correct. All against Long Island. Uh, no, sorry, three against Long Island, two against Lindenwood. So we we you know strike that one from the record, right? Look at the rest of them. It's a Overtime loss to Northeastern, two to three. A two-two tie with Quinnipiac, and then a one-nothing loss to RPI. Like they are playing, like yeah, that's, they're, that's they're, good teams. Their one, their one NCAA win is against Stonehill, which I'm, which doesn't even look like a real program right now. Um, and they're, they're like that one, uh, one high school like. IMF Academy team that they versed. What was that? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Bishop uh, Sycamore. Yeah, Bishop Sycamore. There in Stonehill was Bishop Sycamore, except they got, oh, they did get demolished. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to make that up. But still, so then you, they, you look at these now. They tied the currently number th- three team in the country, and then they lost in overtime to a team that's now ranked 12th. Yeah. So, um, that's. That's a little daunting if if you're looking at this. Not to mention all of the all, both those losses are one goal losses. Yes, and then RPI, who's no slouches either. Um, they like yeah, RPI is a generally pretty good program year in year out, and they're in that same boat. And yeah, the the whole thing too, reading recaps and stuff like that. It was very fluky, like bounce over the top of the. Of the goalie for LIU, it was like one of those ones where it's like, doesn't like it's not even like really anything that anyone could have done. 
it was like I don't even think the offense was trying to score on that. Um, it was just one of those things, and that being the only reason they lost to RPI. I don't know. They get they drag themselves into some very low scoring games, and they find themselves in some close matchups with everybody they play. And uh, with with Long Island University, they got they got a familiar face that MSU uh, MSU players fans will uh, will realize. Adam Goodsir at the end of last season transferred to LIU, and ironically enough, they got matched up against each other. So it's going to be a little. Adam Goodsir possibly revenge tour coming back to MSU and he's he's actually looking good. He's on the se- he's on the Cyclide Center. He's got two points in four games and if he might score against Michigan State, who knows? It'd be kind of fun to see just for the for old time's sake, you know. Um but yeah, I think basically I think it's just now that he has a different coaching staff and you know, has kind of been able to take a larger role in the offense he's been doing pretty well so far in this granted the sample size is very limited mm. but he's been doing he's been doing well i mean yeah but it'd be interesting i don't even know what my reaction would be if he actually does score though <laughs> very mixed very uh, how would how would the uh how would his former msu teammates feel i wonder uh, if, how, how if will the monsters feel? if he scores what are you guys that are covering the game if adam goodster scores and if somebody goes up to post game that was his teammate previously ask him how to feel for Adam Goodsir to score on you guys? That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Gets thrown out of the press conference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so last year, like like I said, coming into this, I didn't think Long Island was going to be. Or I thought it, they were going to be a little bit of a cupcake team. They went ten twenty one and three last year. Uh, they a lot of the games that they won were against lower competition. But this year, yeah, they're they're looking good, and it's going to be an interesting series to say the least. Definitely. I mean, it's just it'll be. And I don't like my thing is yeah I'm not going to expect many goals either way right now, in this uh, series I'm predicting it kind of be a very low scoring one. Um, but I think the main person you're going to want to look out for for LIU specifically is their goalie. Um, name is Vinny Paperna. He is in his third season at LIU, fifth overall, transferred from Boston University, um, but so far has been just absolutely nuts for for LIU. Um, has he been the one keeping them in games? Yes. Oh, cool. Uh, he has, out of the four games they played, two of them he's had at least 35 saves in. Um, nice. And he has a 9.46 save percentage so far in the year. And that's, a, I mean, one of them, granted, Stone Hill, but that's against a number three team and a number 12 team. That's insane. Yes. 9.46? It's the best of his college career, too. Right. So he's breaking out right now, and he has been, he has been very good for them. Um, so he's going to be the guy that is going could possibly give Michigan State trouble, especially considering at Michigan State. While they have put a lot of shots on the net, they've had their issues so far of putting them actually into the net. Their shot percentage is like bottom ten in the country right now. It's like a six point something percent, which not great. So uh yeah, LIU looking looking like some fierce competition. They they come into East Lansing. Michigan State welcomes them in and we'll uh we'll carry this down to the pickums, which we'll finally do. Woo! Anyways, what do you think is gonna happen this weekend? I I don't know. It's up in the air. We'll we'll go a few stinsy. I'll save my final prediction for the series when we get there to the pickums, but like I said, I would just expect low scoring games either times. I think 
This is the the star players for both teams pretty much are going to be the goalies. Uh, it's going to be a Saint Cyr versus Paperna uh, battle, and it'll be basically a who blinks first. Um, I think the one thing that does I think kind of set thing the the advantages here. Paperna is going to keep LIU LIU in the game for as long as he can. The issue is LIU allows a lot of shots on goal. Um, Michigan State gets a lot of shots on goal. Correct. Mm. So that's the kind of thing that gives me pause if I were to try and pick LIU in here. I think that's that might be one of those kind of tipping points, I guess, so to speak, um, is the, yeah, the fact that, you know, LIU gets outshot pretty badly. Um, and if you want to take the uh, one of my favorite advanced analytics that I can use for college hockey... Uh, it's the Corsi four percentage. Basically, it's the out of the total shot attempts in a game, how many of those are you taking? Um, like what what percentage of the total shot attempts are for your team versus the other team? So, as a, on the year so far, Michigan State is third in the country. They take sixty three percent of all the sh- of all the total shot attempts in the country, out of out of all fifty six teams. Long Island is slightly below average in that same stat. They sit at right now 46. So like they get, you know, outshot in that department more often than not. Um, so it's one of those things where it's, I think if Michigan state really focuses on that possession game and really trying to dictate their own, their own pace of play, I think if they just, you know, can dictate the pace of play and kind of do the fire at will thing, Against Paperna, then I think they set themselves up perfectly for a good little sweep on the weekend. But we'll see. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, it's the the question is, can they execute on that? See, from from what I'm kind of seeing and reading with all the stats, and as you said, uh, Papura's you know 946 save percentage. This is kind of like the ghost of Michigan State hockey past. Their goalies keeping them in it. Their offense is getting outshot, and Nightingale's new. Michigan State hockey team is going to have to face a, a basically what Michigan State looked like, you know, for the past two three years. So it can they get around the goalie? And you know, I don't want to reveal my pickums yet, so Ooh, I'll I'll leave it at teaser. that. Yeah, I think for for Michigan State, I think this matchup is in their favor. You look at LIU so far, little sample size, but they play more bad, but don't break, rely on the goalie, like. Like Phillips said, you know, what MSU looked like last year. MSU on the other side of things, they're high shot, quick, fast, smart. And I think that just that that goes the matchup wise, that goes towards MSU a little bit more, which I'm thrilled to say because last year I think every matchup that I looked at, it was looking like MSU was on the bottom side of that, and they were, but that was last year. This is a whole new year. I'll stop talking about that. So yeah, I think matchup wise, this is good. And I, I really think it comes down to who scores first, who comes out of the periods hot. Because Michigan State, game one against Lowell, every single period, they they came out just a little sluggish. They didn't come out, like, you know, tripping on their own toes, but they definitely made some mistakes that proved dividends. So I think it comes out to who's scoring first, who really comes out of the period hungrier. So, and uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get to the picks in a second. But we'll do a little schedule update. So Michigan State has played four in-game seasons so far. They're 2-2 two and two coming off a split against Bowling Green and UMass Lowell. This weekend on Friday night at 7 o'clock, they will welcome in Long Island. Then they will rematch Saturday night at 6 o'clock against 
aforementioned Long Island. Didn't even have to say that, but I did. And then they will finally open up their Big Ten conference slate going to, right now, number 13 ranked Notre Dame. So that's a little schedule update. And well, I'm, I'm excited to see what this team's going to do against Notre Dame for sure. Definitely. I think that'll be one of those real tests where, once again, you can get you get some legitimate competition and you can genuinely see how they'll do. Um, this will be one of the first true tests of the year. Yeah, year in, year out, they always play Notre Dame close. doesn't right. matter if the if Notre Dame's good, MSU's bad, Notre Dame's bad, MSU's good. They're always one-score games, I feel like. So looking at the Big Ten as a whole, though, we're not going to talk much on you know Big Ten matchups because there's only been one between or one weekend slate between Ohio State and Wisconsin. Ohio State did sweep that, but Michigan. I mean, Big Ten. You you mentioned it earlier, Stinson. It's it's deep. It's competitive, and right now they got five out of the seven teams in the conference ranked. Minnesota clocking it at one. Michigan at five. Notre Dame at thirteen. Ohio State at sixteen, and Penn State at eighteen. So like. Whew, that's uh, that's a load of Big Ten. We'll see how those rankings move throughout the season, but uh, yeah, Big Ten, Big Ten looking good. Always does. We'll, to, we'll see how it. There's some very interesting uh, matchups this weekend, which I think will really tell us a little bit more about the conference um, and how good it really is. But um, yeah, I mean, I I'm excited though. There, the one I'm I well, actually, never mind. I'll, I'll save it. The one I'm eyeing. Uh, the most though it is it'll be it'll be very good whoa teaser you gotta gotta listen to the next pod to find out that one no Woo. we're doing it like now oh we're doing it right now oh, yeah that's it's the pickums okay the pickums we are finally I'm, I'm getting actually, into the pickums let's go not teased for long here not teased for long uh i actually i'm gonna take this little segment over let me do my little explainer because yeah, yeah, we're yeah. doing the pickums different this year um First so, week, first week of we're doing them. By the way, if anybody yeah, just wants is, to know, this is zero, part, everybody at zero. Yes. So it's a four way pick 'em this year, right? Between me, Ryan, Jacob Phillips, and Joe, who was here last time. He couldn't make it today, but he did send in his picks. Um, so the way we're doing this is the for the Big Ten series. It's the same as it always is every year, where you can pit, you get one point for predicting a split, two points for predicting a sweep, at, uh, and then you get all the points that you get correct for that weekend. But for bonus points, because how last year we would always tack on like a random NHL game or a random out-of-conference game we liked, um, we're doing a new separate bonus section. We're doing the, the what I'm calling, for now, going to just call the locks of the week until I think of a better title. Um, because we now live in a world of degenerate sports gambling um, you, we all will be parlaying our all every out of conference game that we can that exists. So, on in front of us, we all have a little spreadsheet table of just every non Big Ten game this weekend, right? And there's like thirteen of them on here, and so you can pick. Any series you want off that list, parlay as many of them together that you think will be sweeps as you want. And for each one that you get correct, you get a bonus point. But if you have any incorrect picks, you get no bonus points for the week. So in theory, you could walk, if you somehow are a wizard and every single series ends up as a sweep and you get them all correctly, you'd walk out of there with like 13 bonus points. But if you mess up one, you get none. But you would still keep the big 10 points. 
We switching it up this year, making it spicy. We do. I I, I thought the the parlay thing would make it fun. This it was it was an idea I had one time. That's cool. I like it. So uh, hey, without further ado, the first weekend, uh, or the first week rather, of pickums. Let's get right into it. The first one on the slate. Number five, Michigan travels to Lake Superior State University to take on the Anchors. I don't actually know their mascot. They're the Lakers. Lakers, Anchors, Lakers. That close enough. Uh, sorry, Lake Superior State. But number five at Lake Superior State. Who you got, Cincy? Michigan. It's it's Michigan. Enough said. Lake State, not that great. Mm. Moving on. Yeah, I mean, same. I'm picking Michigan. You know what? I'm... I, because because most of you guys are going Michigan, Joe also went with the Michigan sweep. Because of that, I'm going for the split. I think Lake Superior State at home, they're not a good team this year. But I think at home, they could pull a dub. Uh, they uh, they tied against Omaha at home, which is also not the best team this year. But I don't know. I think they're going to I think they're gonna split. I don't really think they're going to split. I just want to see if I could get a point off you guys. Probably not. That's how I lost last year. Anyways. Three uh, U of M sweeps, and I pick the split. Next game on the slate, it is this. This one's a banger of a series. Number seven, North Dakota, at number one, Minnesota. So this is the series I was talking about when I was saying that um, the, the one I was most excited for. Yeah. Because obviously, uh, I got a split though. I think uh, Drew DeRitter, you know, thinks about his uh, former days in the Big Ten and ends up stealing a game for Nodak. Revenge. Um. And uh, but yeah, then again, Minnesota is so talented, um, top to bottom. Logan Cooley is that guy. Um, so yeah, I think they're gonna each get one on each other. Two very good teams duking it out. Give me a split. I have some explaining to do, and I'm not quite sure if I can do it because I'm picking North Dakota to sweep, and mm-hmm. I know that is the very unpopular pick of the week. Um, but I look at North Dakota's stats in terms of power play, PK percentage. They're just they're they're better than Minnesota. Minnesota's schedule is, I mean, it's all right. But North Dakota's only loss and tie coming off of Quinnipiac. Uh, you know, I I think North Dakota pulls it together, and I think they they topple number one Minnesota. Drew DeRitter starts both games and gets revenge against Minnesota. No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm not predicting that. That that's a bold pick, and I love bold picks. I tried to go for a lot of bold picks last year. It didn't really work out at the end of things, but whatever. We, we we play for fun. Yeah, yeah. We we play for fun here. There's no money involved. Hey, you guys want to put money on? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Anyways, I'm picking. I'm picking the split. It it just comes down to two good teams duking it out, and it's insanely hard to uh, sweep a series against a good team in college hockey. So I'm going for the split, and Joe is also going for the split. So. Jacob Stinson, Joe, and I all going for the split. Phillips going for the ND sweep. We'll see if it works out for your brother. Next game on the slate, number 13 versus number or number 13 versus number 17, guys. I'll make you fill the gaps. No, I'm kidding. Number 13, Notre Dame versus number 17, Western Michigan University. It is a home and home series. Who you guys got? I got another split. I like Western. I like Notre Dame. I think these are pretty similar play styles in terms of how both, yeah, how these teams both play. Uh, it's a home and home, so home ice advantage ain't gonna uh, affect my uh, predictions here. So as a whole, I'm just gonna say uh, call it a split. Each game wins on their home ice. I'm going full Broncos country. Let's ride. 
yes. so <laughs> picking, I was waiting for that. <laughs> picking Western Michigan. Uh, had to add in that dramatic pause. I'm I'm going Western Michigan. Uh, their record's better, but I think more specifically, their power play, their PK unit are doing much better than Notre Dame. And you know their their schedules aren't too different in terms of challenging. I think Notre Dame playing Denver is obviously one of those bigger matchups, but you know Western Michigan's offense and defense has, from what I've been able to see, just better. So I pick them to sweep. So for this series, I'm sticking with my uh, Notre Dame winning the Big Ten hot take. So I'm I'm sticking I'm sticking with a Notre Dame sweep here. Uh, they they lost to open the season against Denver, but looked good against a decent team in Northern Michigan. I mean, Western Michigan on the other side of things, though, they're a good team, both offensive, defense, and everything. So my mind would go split, but because I I have confidence in Notre Dame and that pretty much only, I'm going for the Notre Dame sweep. And then Joe, he went with a went with a split. So we got a we got a wide variety. We got two splits. I'm on Notre Dame sweep. Phillips is on Broncos. Broncos country, lesser hide, which oh god, the Denver Broncos not looking too good right now. We we won't get into that. Dog, I, I have rusty fantasy. How do you think I feel? <laughs> okay, anyways, moving, moving on. on. Bentley, uh, <laughs> Bentley, not the car brand. The college hockey team travels to number sixteen, Ohio, the Ohio State University. I shouldn't even give them that justice of the the. We don't whatever. even the the trademark went through. You can call them the. Oh, it did. Yeah, the trademark thing got approved. Ah, whatever. Um. But no, we don't have to spend too much time on this. Unlike the car brand, Bentley, the university hockey team is incredibly mid. Ohio State's good. Uh, we we all predicted Ohio State to sweep them. So, yep, that's it. Ohio State sweeps across the board. If it happens, cool. If it doesn't, whatevs. Next game on the slate, St. <laughs> Thomas at number 18, Penn State. We can fast forward over this one too. St. Thomas won three games last year. Give me Penn State. Yep, Penn, Penn State across the board. We'll, ju- we'll just go ahead and... and cancel that one out if neither of those hit it's going to be a really awkward podcast next tuesday that that would <laughs> if if any of those are splits i'll be very very I've, surprised i already called saint i already called penn state fraudulent already um it's i do think penn state does not need to be ranked 18th but they are undefeated at the beginning of the season so they get the they get the rank status yeah but they're unproven so next game on the slate wisconsin at number 10 minnesota duluth yeah, so I was doing my research on this one, and like, because I was like, oh, I haven't really heard anything out of Wisconsin this year. I know they're not ranked or anything like that, but like, what what have they been doing so far? I looked at it. Holy heck, they are bad. Um, and they, you know, I thought, oh, they invested in a new goalie in the transfer portal, and like, they got a couple good uh, trans. I liked their transfer portals, the work they did. I was like, oh, they'll probably be a little better this year. Not great, I don't think, but better. Um, no, not at all. Uh, they are very bad. I don't even know who Lakehead is, but they lost an exhibition game to them to open up the year. Then they got swept by both Ohio State and St. Cloud, which are both good teams. Um, and neither games were particularly close, aside from a 2-1 game against St. Cloud. Um, and then, yeah, so now you add that, you add the number 10 team in the country to that same little, uh, um thing and yeah it's uh it's another recipe for a minnesota Duluth sweep which uh is what i'm going with yeah i mean i i basically agree it's not not so much uh betting on minnesota Duluth to play well it's more 
betting that Wisconsin will continue to play at a, a lower level than what we've seen in the past few years. I'm also going Minnesota Duluth sweep, and I see a world a world where Wisconsin's mad. They have played a close game against Ohio State. They lost 3-4, and then another close game against St. Cloud State. They lost 1-2. So I see a world where they pick up a win, but I'm not confident in them enough to uh, put put one singular point on the line. So give me the Minnesota Duluth sweep, and it sweeps across the board. Joe is also going the Minnesota Duluth sweep. So we got a we got a heck of a bunch of sweeps here. But yeah, you, we're you changing changed that. your you yeah. changed yours to a sweep at the last minute. I because I, I was I wanted I was to be convinced. different from you guys, and I'm like, you know what? No, nah, I, I don't. I, believe I was in too Wisconsin. convincing with me talking about how bad Wisconsin was. No, 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 no. I already I already deleted before you started talking. But oh. I was like, yeah. I looking back, and I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't have confidence in them getting a point. But uh, the the big the big one of the weekends. I don't know how college the only, hockey. The only Big Ten matchup that has no ranked teams in it. <laughs> I don't know how a college hockey game day isn't going to this matchup. Uh, isn't going to another Michigan State matchup. It be it bewilders me. But it's LIU traveling to East Lansing to take on the Michigan State Spartans. So with this one, I've been waffling back and forth on what I want to go with, and I've been think... waffling. Is that is that like does that does that it's check not, out? I think that's a verb, right? Does that check, does that check out? Have what what is waffle? Doesn't matter. Moving can, on. Can we, can, wait, go, we I'm, can define waffle. How about this? <laughs> I'm, we'll, we'll we'll move on. Uh, we'll we'll check that after the we'll check that after the show. I could check it right now. We could. No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, how about this? I've been oscillating back and forth. That's another big word for you. There we go. Um, between wait, pe- waffling isn't a big word. That you said another big word. <laughs> A bigger word. It doesn't matter. We're we're getting caught in okay. the semantics now. Um, but I've I've been oscillating back and forth between wanting to pick a Michigan State sweep or a split. Oh my God, you're right on waff- waffling. By the way, I knew I was. Holy crap! I know words. Um, I know them sometimes, not that time. <laughs> but regardless, uh, I've been very much going back and forth in my head and thinking, uh, you know, because it, it all hinges on um, Vinny Paperna. Really, and it's how well is he going to play to keep LIU in this game long enough that Michigan State and their like more possession based approach against a weak LIU defense is going to you know how long is he going to hold that and can LIU steal a game that way? I, as the pod has gone on, I am coming more and more to the realization of no, uh, and so I'm predicting an MSU sweep. Um, mainly the amount of shots they get on goal, they haven't been converting very high, highly lately. And I, that, that's one of those things where that's, that's like bound to change as it goes on. You're no one shoots at 6% for an entire season. Yeah. Zach Rose for BG stood on his head one game and then Welsh, Welsh, Welsh yeah. for the second game that MSU lost against Lowell did stand on his head too. Right. And I think they've, they've ran kind of into an unfortunate tendency of really hot goalies that stand on their head. Like for at random times, right? And I well, they're going to run into that again this weekend. But I think they'll get the better of uh, the LIU Sharks for the entire weekend, and so I'm going to go with Michigan State sweep. I I wish that I had confidence one way or the other in either of these teams because I do not like picking splits. The rest of my picks are all sweeps because I think it's more fun to pick sweeps. Yeah. But the more I looked at this matchup, the more I just see a split. I see Michigan State coming out on top one game, able to do what they did with UMass Lowell in game one, 
and pull ahead and stay there. And I also see LIU being able to shut down Michigan State offense and being able to sneak in a one nothing win here at Munn. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the split as the only split I've got this week. For me, this series is a very interesting case study. I'll talk about throughout the season, how, Ooh, is, is MSU defined now? I don't think they get defined after this series, but I think they'll, they'll definitely prove themselves a little bit if they sweep, which is exactly the pick I'm going for. Like I said earlier, I think the matchup favors MSU. I think the play styles favor MSU. And if MSU get, I think if they if they score the first goal and if they come out every period firing at all cylinders, I don't think LSU has the firepower or what, whatever I just I don't think LIU has the fire. Did I just say LSU football team? I think I did. I don't think LIU has the firepower to bounce back. And uh, yeah, I, I favor Michigan State in this matchup. I think it's going to be close, but you got to realize Michigan State was inches away from going into overtime and possibly sweeping Number 16, now number 19, UMass Lowell. Even though LIU has shown good in their first four games, cough maybe three official games, I th- I still think Michigan State has proven enough through four games that they can compete and they should they should beat lower competition in LIU. So I'm going for the sweep. And then Joe, to round out our Big Ten pick-ems in the, behind the mask, not the rest of the pick-ems though because we got the, the bonus picks. Joe is predicting a split. So we got two splits and we got two sweeps in favor of the green and white. And that will close out our, our Big Ten pickums. But we're moving on to the parlay, the bonus section. Like Jacob said, we got we got heck of matchups outside of uh, a Big Ten play. And you have to guess sweeps for any of them that you want to. So you could guess a sweep for one. Uh, you could guess a sweep for all. And if all of them hit, you get all 13 points. If one of them hits, you get one point. But if you get any sweeps wrong that you predicted, then you get zero points. So just like how a parlay works in betting. So, uh, hey, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right into it. Um, how, sh- how should we announce this? Should we just we, – I don't so think we should gonna, say the ones that we don't have anything for. We're not, yeah, we're not. We're yeah. just going to basically all pick, like, in order. I'll go first. Like, we're not going to talk about, you know – I will say there are some very good games that I do recommend checking out that no one's gonna that no one's picking in favor of, like uh, number fourteen UConn's going to number nine BU. Well, UConn hold, hold back. on because I, I'm I'm thinking of making a last minute pick Ooh. here. I just uh, okay. I well, can't make up my mind. Well, so uh, there's another one that I remember earlier that um that the same kid over here uh, decided or was thinking about picking. Number eleven Providence to sweep Denver this weekend. I love the bold picks. Yes, I, I don't know what I was. Yes, thinking. I removed Chaos. it. It is not an official oh. pick. I removed it, but but so my my I have a fourteen parlay for this weekend, and uh, so my my locks to sweep that I personally have picked. I have Sacred Heart sweeping Niagara. Sacred Heart low key underrated this year. Uh, they've been pretty good in their, so far. They beat UMass in their first game of the year. Look, uh, the possible dark horse to or possible contender to win the Atlantic Conference, even if the Atlantic Conference isn't good. Uh, I also have UMass to beat Union. UMass also very good. They swept Denver, um, literally last weekend. And the U- former number one team, yes, Denver, and defending national champions. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and at, by the same token, Union, the team they're playing, um, is an ECAC team. And if you're an ECAC team and you are not named Harvard, Quinnipiac, or Cornell, you're not good. Uh, so I got UMass, sweeping Union. I got Arizona State sweeping Colorado College from Mullet Arena. I think the, the, the atmosphere in Tempe is going to be electric. Arizona State looking kind of nice this year. So far, I like the Sun Devils to sweep there. And um, in a battle that we, like, three of us have picked for some reason, one way or the other to be a sweep, is a battle of some of the worst teams in college hockey right now. Uh, it's just, uh, it's Clarkson and Mercyhurst um, are playing each other. They're going to Clarkson. I pick Clarkson to sweep this one. Uh, because I like Clarkson a little bit better, and I actually I also have a friend that plays currently on Clarkson that I used to play with a while a few years back, um, and Mercyhurst has just been horrendous this year, more so than Clarkson. Um, so I am taking Clarkson to sweep that one, and that's my parlay: Sacred Heart, UMass, Arizona State, and Clarkson. If you get all four right, you get four, four bonus, bonus points. points. Yep. Okay, so I feel like I should start out with the Mercyhurst-Clarkson. I'm choosing Mercyhurst. Uh, I really, I mean, looking at these teams, they're pretty evenly matched. Honestly, if there's going to be a game that splits, it's going to be that one. So I'm just picking the other side of the coin. Uh, my other pick, Minnesota State, number two, at uh, number eight, St. Cloud State. I'm picking Minnesota State to win. I think they look really good. They've had a pretty good schedule, and I, I think they continue it. But uh, my very, very much last-minute pick uh, in a in a series that Stinson already talked about, UConn at BU. I'm taking UConn, even though they're 14, BU is 9. UConn hockey's back. I mean, the, the games they've played, I had the stats up in front of me, and I lost them. But uh, they've played, I think, what, what, six games? And technically haven't lost. It's five wins and a tie. And that tie was a shutout, 0-0, against Ohio State. And then the following day, they went and beat Ohio State 6-1. to Meanwhile, BU split Michigan, but they didn't tie Michigan. They lost to Michigan in one of those games. And and really that's why I'm picking UConn is because tying and then winning against Ohio State on top of already having played four games, they're going to know who they are and what system they work with. So I'm picking UConn. So th- those are my three. Just in summary, Mercyhurst, Minnesota State, and UConn. And it's going to be Mercyhurst that ruins it all. <laughs> three bonus points on the line for Phillips. For me... I'm sticking with what uh, what Stincy said. I'm going Sacred Heart at Niagara, going for the sweep. Sacred Heart, maybe a little dark horse. There, there's some road warriors. They they swept Holy Cross on the road already, so I think they they could do that. I'm going for another series that nobody's picked. Miami at Canisius, Miami of Ohio, of course. I think they're a little slept on, little underdogs. They did decent against Bowling Green, which is decent, but they got a lot of talent on that roster that I think. Is kind of undervalued, so I think I think Miami is going to go for the sweep against Canisius. Union at number six, UMass. UMass good, Union bad. Give me UMass sweep. 
And then that is all I got. So I only got three bonus points on the line, one in Sacred Heart, another one in Miami, and another one in UMass to sweep. So if, if I get all three right, that is three bonus points. And then for Joe, who is once again not here, he's got three on the line. He picked a series of Bemidji State at Michigan Tech. Nobody, None of us has touched that so far. He picked Tech. And then Union at UMass, he picked UMass to sweep. And then the ones that you guys went back and forth, Mercyhurst at Clarkston, he picked Clarkston. So three bonus points on the line for Joe, three on the line for me, three on the line for Phillips, and four on the line for Stincy. We'll see if any parlays hit on top of all the points that we get from the Big Ten picks, and we'll we'll update you guys next week. So, yeah, the pickups are back. Woo! Yeah. I wonder who's going to win this year. We'll see. Guarantee so, it's not going to be me. It will be me again. <laughs> Boo. So, anyways, that's that's pretty much going to wrap up the pod. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna be back next week. We're gonna obviously be breaking down all the Long Island action. We're gonna be previewing all the Notre Dame action, all the Big Ten action that's going on. Uh, coverage this week, I will not be. I will be MIA from the series, so my Twitter will be pretty vacant of uh, coverage. But you guys are covering the games. What you got? What you guys got? This weekend, who's doing what? Yeah, we're going. Uh, we're gonna go just go writing. There's no broadcast this weekend, um, so one of us will take. We'll figure out what, and then uh, we're gonna both. I think we're both going Friday, and then I'll. It'll just be me on Saturday. Um, so I think for Friday at least we'll do some kind of. One of us will do the recap. One of us will do some more kind of in-depth analysis piece or something like that. Or you can do live tweeting or something. A little bit of everything. We'll see what's yeah. up. Um. So check out, yeah, check out your guys' Twitters and go ahead and plug them just in case. Why not? At Jacob F. Stinson, J-A-C-O-B-F-S-T-I-N-S-O-N. Mine, Jacob P. 377. I really got to update my Twitter handle and make it more, <laughs> uh, I don't know, more, more accurate. But uh. So yeah, that's going to wrap up this episode of Behind the Mask. Thank you guys so much for listening. From Ryan Rodosevich, Jacob Phillips, and Jacob Stinson, thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. Thank you.